0: The Greenwood and Mulliner show is sponsored by OneFootball. OneFootball is the app you all need to get the latest info on Newcastle United and the Premier League. Make sure you go and download OneFootball today. Newcastle Fans TV
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. And you join us this week with I, Mulliner, he, Greenwood. Um, And we've welcomed the Chronicle's newest member, the new Newcastle United editor for the Chronicle, Aaron Stokes. But Johnny, before we get into uh, talking about this week's interview, how excited are you about this weekend? Because I am coming up for pints.
2: You are, but you've made a very big error already. Why? Why? Because when's this podcast? Because it, be it was
1: last time? weekend. If you're listening to it on Tuesday, Yeah, I know, but you know, people can relate. As sure. we as we record, <laughs> we are minus two days away from pints and ales and all around a weekend of goodness. Because I am, I am, I am staying at your house Saturday night, and we are larging it on Saturday before the game against Leicester on Sunday.
2: Saturday night, and I like the way you move. No, it's a great, it's it's a, uh, for people that probably don't know, and I'm sure there's millions and millions of people that don't know, I live in North Shields, so Sam doesn't want to go into the Newcastle City Centre on Saturday, he wants to go to time off, and I am a big fan of time off. Yeah, but we're not doing that
1: either, as you will find out on next week's show.
2: No, we are. Are We We are doing time off, we are doing time off via, something else we're going to go time off to somewhere else because it's not very far at all but i'll not spoil it because if it's going on a video
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll wait and see but then um, no, time off will be very very good and then obviously the game on sunday so as you will be all aware newcastle have just won back to back home games oh we wish. beat less <laughs> i wish but uh, I like- one quick question from one quick question and i'll let you go back to being presentry. How much are you looking forward to coming up to Newcastle, to, watch the, to watching a game and just to, get well, I've been to all, see, I, uh, listen to the atmosphere of St James' Park once again? Because I know it's been a little while.
1: It has. The last time I was at home game was the Brentford 3-3. Uh And then before then it was takeover day. But I went to Leicester away in between that and that was awful because I caught COVID the day after going to Leicester, which, if you remember, well, of course you will know, um, this trip, this overnight stay has been postponed twice previously, once because of when I caught COVID, when we were supposed to be going to that awards do, and the other time because um, Stoke couldn't beat Crystal Palace in the Cup. So now here we are, four months later, and we finally get to I finally get to a not have to worry about driving home the same day and doing a seven-hour round trip in the car and getting to see not just the city centre, but I can get to take in some of the the areas outside of the city centre, the the proper culture of the northeast, which I, I am incredibly excited. This this weekend from uh Maybe yeah, maybe in a mental health standpoint, uh, this weekend and having that to look forward to has been keeping me going for ages now. So I I cannot wait. But I would just apologise in advance if I do have too much to drink and end up, maybe if I end up getting it wrong.
2: Well, it's, it's it's a funny one because for all our listeners in December, it was very very tough for our Samuel because. He was very much looking forward to going up to Newcastle for this awards due And we, we all kind of knew he really wanted to be there. And God, we FaceTimed him on the night of that awards due And he was, he looked awful. Let's be honest. You well, I had so COVID awful.
1: and I was quite bad and with it.
2: You we were quite bad with it as well. So we did feel sorry for you. Uh, we did have a drink for you actually that night. But I think <laughs> the funniest bit of it was me just kind of, Putting two and two together and just working out a few dates and ringing you while you're at work. So, look, I'm, look Johnny, I'm at work and can you, can wave and going, look, really, really quick, just for 30 seconds, just to let you know Crystal Palace is still in the FA Cup. If they've been stoked in a couple of weeks in the fifth round, Palace, Newcastle, Palace is going to be called off. and says, can you remember what you said that day?
1: Um, was it one of my go to phrases or was it something different?
2: <laughs> it was something different, I think. Oh, what did I say? I think I think, I think your, your correct words were, for fuck's sake, can this get any fucking worse? No <laughs> <Did I> really? <laughs> yeah, I remember just coming off the phone and thinking, oh my god, I think I've ruined it. I think I've just ruined it. <laughs> ruined it ah. at, least you, at least you at least you saved yourself a few quid.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and as well, like the the fuel price has like doubled since I was originally meant to come up <laughs> as well. So. It's not very often I have to revolve around my trip about where to fill up with fuel exactly,
2: exactly because, like, quick. from where
1: I live, if you're one of our overseas listeners, I live 220 miles away from Johnny, and now it'll the the trip in diesel will cost me 80 quid. Yeah,
2: you know. that's like before eight, I've eight, even done it. Accommod- eight quid in accommodation as well.
1: I know, yeah. Sorry. Thank God I'm saving money on that. Otherwise, I'll leave a bad trip advisor.
2: <laughs> You're not be <being> the first. <laughs> uh,
1: what you do in your private time is of none of our, mine or our listeners' concerns. But Aaron Stokes from The Chronicle, um, you said before, as we were just gearing up to record this, that these ones are your favourites. Why?
2: Because journalists just know what how to answer questions and then know this subject very, very well. And Aaron, immediately, when you ask him a question, anything about Newcastle United, the answer was very, very well put together. It was thought well, but I think he kind of knew what sort of questions were, were happening tonight, which was good because he already had an answer in his head. And there's a couple of questions which you'll you'll hear in the podcast where probably slightly different to what many other fans think because one of the questions I do ask him and I'll not give away the answer how difficult is it to do this job that he does as a fan of as, of Newcastle United because to be a fan and to do this as a job is very, very different very, very different as me and you both well know that, that,
1: so That's why they get paid for it and we don't
2: We <laughs> do I don't think I could have um, I think when Chris Wood scored that penalty last week against Wolves I don't think I could have just remained calm and just thinking, right, how am I going to write this? Or how am I going to type this? Or what sort of questions would I ask anyhow, where Aaron would. So fair play to him. Obviously only been in the job a month, but I'm sure he's thinking I've got the best job in the world right now, because it's all landed on his feet with everything that's going on with the club at the minute. So best of luck to him. I'm sure he'll be enjoying every second.
1: Yeah, look, it's a really good conversation and it's one you're, uh, you're sure to enjoy because these one, whenever we get a journalist on, um, whether it be from The Chronicle, The Athletic, Sky, wherever, they're always really popular and well-received and this one will be no different. Um, yeah, just finally, a couple of uh, good episodes to come and we're getting very, very close to episode 100. Thoughts?
2: I wasn't allowed to talk about this a couple of weeks ago, but it looks like we're getting there. It looks like we're getting to talk we're getting there in terms of being able to talk about it, Samuel. So we have got one confirmed guest for episode number ninety, and episode number ninety one, I would say, is nearly there.
1: No, it's it's a hundred percent confirmed. It's just
2: will it happen? I'm going ninety nine, ninety nine, but only spoil I'll give you is that it's two former Newcastle players, so it's certainly one to.
1: One's been on the show before.
2: Yeah, but to be honest, I don't mind talking to this Newcastle player again because he's having. Oh no!
1: End. I wanna I wanna go and enjoy a beer with him.
2: Yeah, there's a clue. There's a clue. No, there is
1: a real niche clue. A real a niche, niche clue. clue. But, but we'll yeah. see. We'll
2: see how it goes anyway
1: we're getting there. If this is your first time listening on the podcast or whether it's not and you just haven't done it yet, please hit the five-star review section and uh, help support the podcast. And yeah, enjoy. This is episode is it 89? 89. Wow, episode 89 with the Chronicles Aaron Stokes.
0: The Greenwood and Mulliner show on Newcastle Fans TV.
2: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Greenwood A Moment Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. I know you might be wanting to watch Europa League football, your conference league football, but you know what? You should be watching this right now and listening to this right now. If you listen to the podcast, it is the Greenwood and Moment Show and it is with the Newcastle United editor at The Evening Chronicle, Aaron Stokes. Aaron, welcome to the show.
0: evening, guys.
2: Sam, I think The Evening Chronicle has a special place in people's hearts, especially people that are from Newcastle, but... I think even people that aren't from newcastle why why have you said chronicle that to me times. then I've lived no miles away. let me finish my sentence let me finish all my right. something even people from not even from the area who know just know the evening chronicle they just know it's associated with newcastle yeah. is that something that you're familiar with it in terms of maybe not even supporting newcastle until you're six or seven weren't you well
1: look i've got the app on my phone and it was always the first source of news i came to so What I'm interested in, Aaron, I'm going to ask you, for starters, what Eddie Howe was asked last week. Newcastle United editor just sounds like a dream job to me. Would you have gone for the job? Would you have taken the job without a takeover if we were still in the Mike Ashley era? Uh,
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't think there's a situation where I wouldn't have taken the job, to be honest. I think Newcastle could have been relegated four times and you know been playing national league football i still would have taken the job so i think johnny's right in what he says in the sense that you know it's the biggest paper in newcastle it's the sort of you know i was i was obviously working down london and just telling people that i've never been up newcastle that i was taking the job they knew sort of how big the chronicle was so yeah it was an absolute no-brainer and take over or no take I, I definitely would have said yes
2: for me as someone that is from the area. The Evening Chronicle was like, what's the word? It it, it was gospel. It was the it, it is the book that you have to read, or if you want to put it that way, obviously it's a newspaper, but it, it's just something you have to read if you're a Newcastle fan. You want to see what's going on, especially on the back page. is more on the front page because the back page probably is the front page if there's something spectacular going on at Newcastle United. But to be a part of it, it is the dream job, surely, Aaron.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I had I had some great years in London. You know, I left the North East when I was, you know, fresh out of uni and it was the first time moving away from home. And don't get us wrong, I absolutely loved it. But I mean, it was always my aim to come back up here um, and to do it, you know, like you say, at a place like the Chronicle, it's special. And I, I, I do feel lucky um, to have got the role. And, yeah, there was absolutely no chance I would have been turning it down when it came up.
1: So were you still down London then when the news of the takeover broke? And and were you covering it down in London and, and how how did that work? Because it was from out of nowhere, it just all happened so fast, didn't it?
0: Yeah, well, so I was I wasn't in London on the day of the takeover. I was still working for a London publication. Um, but I was actually living up here. So I got sort of to experience it, not with the fans on the night. and four years, I was actually working a late shift, so my sort of remembering of takeover day was actually being sat in my flat in Gator, having to you know furiously type out for eight hours that it had happened. So um, yeah, I, I mean, I was working, I was working for the, the Daily Star back then, and uh, but I was in Newcastle, so it was good to obviously get to celebrate over that weekend when it when it finally happened.
2: It was just an incredible day for so many different reasons, but the one thing that a lot of Newcastle fans talked about that day was the hope, the hope that Newcastle could be better and do better. Do you feel that when that takeover was officially announced, every Newcastle fan just went, right, let's go, let's see where this journey can take us?
0: I think the first sort of overriding emotion when that news sort of broke on the, on the evening was probably relief mainly because, you know, we'd had three or four years of just, will it happen? Won't it happen? And I don't think anybody actually believed it up until, you know, we all saw Stavely come out and speak to the media at Jasmine Jean house. So I think, yeah, one, obviously that was relief, but like you say, hope was, was definitely one of those emotions. And I think, when you've had a club like Newcastle you know, for 14 years under Mike Ashley, I think the new owners could have came in and said absolutely anything and we would have been hopeful. It was just a bonus that you know, Staveley came in and said the right things from the off. So, yeah, like I say, I think anybody, it was such an easy win for anybody. I'm really surprised nobody tried to really push to take this club off Mike Ashley sooner because, I mean, just look at what the new owners have done in such a short space of time. They're already sort of classed as heroes. Um, so yeah, it was it was a great day, but like I say, I don't think anybody really believed it until you know until Stavely came out.
1: It was unreal. It it almost doesn't. It it's just like in a parallel universe somewhere. Me and Johnny are still stood outside Molyneux, faces full of thunder, going, "Well, that's it. We're done. <coughs> Derby's back next season. We're rubbish. We may as well just yeah give up." But. Such a turnaround in six months, like you say, they could have done anything, but what they have done in a short space of time, from the outside, may seem like next to nothing, and we're all so easily pleased. But it's meant a lot, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. We, uh, we at the Chronicle, did like a live uh, podcast last week, and one of the things we said, in it was that the most watched video on the Chronicle website in the last year is actually the windows being washed at St James's Park. Because like and you obviously you try and explain that to somebody not from the northeast and you're thinking, Well, what are you talking about? But you know, renaming Shearer's ball, washing the windows, taking down the sports direct sign, these are like little wins that the owners got right from the first minute. And you know, it's about having pride in the football club and you know, this football club went over a decade without, you know, sort of any pride and there was no, you know, TLC around it. So I think for Stavely and, and the owners to come in, you know, they, like I say, there were such easy wins, but it's about taking pride in the in the club, and I think that's what Newcastle fans have got now, and you know, will have for many years under this this new regime.
2: Aaron, I know this is probably a slightly difficult question to answer because you weren't at the Chronicle at the time, but I'm I'm sure, like he's, like me and Sam and yourself, we probably imagine the Chronicle's relationship with the club, with Ashley, was very, very difficult. I think to put it to put it lightly, shall we say, Uh, I can see you smirk there. Um, But what's it been like now? How open have they been? How uh, honest have they been? And is it just worlds apart, the actual relationship? And even just the little things, I, I can imagine that even the little things now that you know, being allowed back into the into the press conferences, they might give you drinks and stuff like that. I can imagine just little things like that. It might, it might be a little bit nicer than what they probably used to do back in the day. Is everything just completely, right, it's a clean slate. We'll start again. Let's see what we can do as together as one.
0: Yeah, it's, it's absolute chalk and cheese. I mean, like you say, I wasn't at the Chronicle during Ashley, but I mean, we all heard about, you know, the stadium bans and the, you know, I think the regime had a thing against the Chronicle, but the Chronicle weren't afraid to say it what the fans are thinking, you know, the Chronicle's is the voice for the people and it's there to represent the fans and, you know, I think before I joined even the Chronicle was, you know, pulled no punches Were actually, obviously to their detriment for, you know, a couple of seasons when they weren't allowed in but it's just completely changed. I mean, you know, you remember when Stavie came out on that day when the takeover happened and, you know, Lee Ryder and Mark Douglas were allowed to go and have a chat with her. I mean, they you know, in that half an hour after the takeover happened, they'd had more chats with Newcastle owner than they had in the last 10 years, which sums it up, you know what I mean? Um, But, I mean, even even away from Stavely, you know, you've got Jamie Rubin, who's, you know, given interviews to uh, Andrew Musgrove, and he, he's doing work with the food bank and stuff. So they've came in, they said they were going to have an open dialogue with the media, and they've done that. Um And more importantly, you know, they've said that they're going to be open with the fans. And, I mean, just, you know, this week we've seen... And meeting with the trust and with war flag. So yeah, look, if, if they can keep this up for the long run, then you know what a fantastic, fantastic thing it'll be.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree more. And that's just off the pitch. <laughs> On the pitch, they've certainly done their bit to to A, save our season and and B, make us all quite excited about the future. I mean, the comments are already coming in. Whenever we get a journalist on, Aaron, it's always the same. Who are we signing? What's going to happen? How many hundreds of millions are we going to spend? We will come on to that. <laughs> However, just how important were... I mean, I would, I am going to call them marquee signings, but Kieran Trippier and Bruno Gimarias, how important... Is that are then pair of signings as you kind of first sort of marquee signings? Considering we were what nineteenth in the league,
0: I think on the whole January was was a really good window. I think even away from the two you know marquee signings, I think the addition of Wood and Burn and Target, you know, experienced Premier League players was something that they had to get right. Trippy has a huge cue because of what he brings off the pitch and that stature and you know you know his experience, and I think he's shown in the you know, he hasn't even been at the club 100 days and he's already you know been talked about as a future captain. But more than that, I think it was a statement to say that if Newcastle United can sign those players when they're 19th in the table, imagine what they can do in the summer with a you know a window and a clean slate, essentially, with survival secured. So, look, massively important. And I think you've got to give credit to Trippier and Bruno for making the jump. You know, Trippier was been linked with Man United two weeks before he joined. Bruno was scouted by Arsenal for months. And they've chosen to come here. And, you know, you'll see some in the media say that it was for a payday, but I don't think it was. I think Trippier especially knows that he can come here and he can be on the ground floor of a project that has got legs and that, you know, he's going to be a hero here no matter what he does. So, vitally important window. And I think the owner's got it right. I think they'll also learn from it. Um, with a few of the players that they didn't get. But I think in terms of, of a start, you couldn't have asked for much more, really.
2: we have to talk about Bruno. I, I know a lot of people will look at that Wolves game and say he was a magnificent, he was man of the match. And yes, he was. But I want to go back to the Tottenham game, just very briefly, I know we lost, and I don't want to talk about too much. But I said after the game, at 4-1, 5-1, he was still saying, give me the ball. Give me the ball. I, I don't care. if I've got players pinned to me. Just give me the ball. I don't mind. I want to, you know, try and help the team as much as I can and go forward with the ball. That's always been my issue with a lot of Newcastle players. When they get the ball towards, and the, the first touch is always negative. It's always going sideways. So it's thinking about going sideways or backwards. It's never actually can we go forward. And he, you saw that, saw that. Uh, saw that last couple of games where he likes to pick up the ball and can we move the team forward. And now you can see even just the glimpses against Wolves. I'm sure someone's probably put a YouTube montage in the the last uh, few days of how well he did it against Wolves. He surely is. If he's if he's the first big name signing, and if we can get better players, oh my God, what on earth are Newcastle United fans going to get used to? Because at the minute Bruno's the first name on the team sheet in the midfield, in my opinion, anyway.
0: Yeah, I think him and Trippier just came in and they just automatically look levels above what we've had in years I mean you say that obviously wanting the ball it's every time you cast him in possession he's looking to to get on it and looking to change the game and look for as much as I love Isaac Hayden and I like you know Sean Longstaff they are the type of players where they'll get the ball and they're safe and they sort of have to compliment Shelby in the middle when Shelby's not really doing the running and he's spraying the balls 40 yards, whereas Bruno is a man who will take charge. And like you say, he's always looking to to go forward or do some of it. And I think it's crazy to think that that is his first start at home last week because I think he'd only played five minutes at home before that. And I remember being sat in the Leasers in the first game after the January window and he was warming up on the touchline and fans were chanting his name and I was thinking... You haven't, you've never seen him play. You've probably seen a five minute clip on YouTube (laughs) and already you're like buzzing to see him. So I think the fact that from the minute he came, we sort of knew we had someone special and he's lived up to that already. And I can't wait to see what he can do when he's got better players around him and he's had a full sort of pre-season to settle in. Because he could be the the most exciting player we've had in, in decades, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, everything you said and more. Absolutely. I think he's brilliant. And and like the comment said, that it's football, is football in brain, which uh, along with Trippier, very sexy football in brain. Absolutely. And it's what, what we've kind of missed, I think, in the past couple of years. And I, it helps to bring that next level above. Um, I don't know if you'd agree, but having a player with a bit of intelligence about the game, especially in the middle of the park and in your defense, don't have to make a... Huge world of difference.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think there was a a stat that we were talking about in the office the other day after Wolves, and it was that he received the ball more times than St. Maximum against Wolves. Now, for a long period of time under a previous manager, you know, this tactic was sort of give it a maxi and just see what he can do. Now, you've got essentially another outlet who's playing a bit deeper and who can sort of affect things from... A different area of the pitch adding to that Trippier, who's going to be you know sort of doing that sort of trent role trying to you know pick passes out from right back you've now got three positions in the pitch that are you know looking to create rather than one so look i, I think it was the uh the chelsea game where we got beat he was bruno's was on the ball and he's just picking passes that you're thinking how he see how has he picked his head up and seeing that and and less than a second. So yeah, you're right in what you say, just having that sort of quality that we haven't seen in a long time. It's been a, it's been a huge help already.
1: Yeah. I, I was thinking like with this passing range, I don't think we've seen that since like Kabai. And then from that era as well, I think like his defensive mindness and his, um, Defensive side of his game, and is, is is sort of a bit like TOT as well. So I, I I don't want to like put labels on him, and like well, I already have since he's, when he first signed. I thought, well, he's our cante, job done. Mm-hmm. But
0: he's, he's uh, good. yeah, like he's you say, good. he, he isn't. He isn't all about the Hollywood passes. He, no. he he grafts and he grafts and he grafts. And as I've just said, obviously about Shelby, you, you, when you've got Shelby, for as much as he's been brilliant the last couple of months, I think he's never gonna. He's never gonna put a proper, proper, proper shift in. So to have someone like Bruno and even Jolent in a sense who will, you know, run and press and hassle and make things difficult, you've got a nice little sort of trio there that sort of complement each other well. So, I mean, look, every single fan I've spoke to, yourselves, me, everybody in the media, everybody, I feel like I'm just getting tired of talking about them already because (laughs) it's like how many more times can I praise them? But we've we've got them for the next 10 years probably. So I need to get you you. Yeah, just already you're just thinking he's he's he looks very, very special.
2: Yeah, well, I just hope we do have him for 10 years. And if we do have him for 10 years, you'd like to think there might be a little trophy in the cabinet, which Newcastle fans have been probably dying for for god knows. Oh, no,
1: um, we're getting ahead of ourselves now.
2: <laughs> also you just told you just said Bruno's the new chilting and uh. Goodbye, reincarnated in one person. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the last thing on Bruno, I want to mention to Aaron is that he really seems to have settled in Newcastle in a, a lot easier than I think a lot of new a lot of fans would have thought. I think the fact, obviously, you mentioned Jill in terms of on the pitch, but off the pitch as well, they seem to create a nice friendship. Probably they might have known each other beforehand. Um, he's learning English. He's trying to learn a lot more a lot quickly. You see, I think I heard, I heard a, uh, in an article that uh, he's trying to have more lessons in terms of learning English and more the, the more important words in terms of on the football pitch, just little things that can help them in the long run as well. That does all add up, doesn't it, Aaron?
0: Yeah, 100%. And um, he, he did the same in France. You know, he, he went to Lyon from South America and apparently one of the first things he did was make sure that he learned the language. So that's a huge bonus having Joel in there will help him. I think even having like some Miggy there will help them. Just that sort of, you know, South American link. So yeah, he's he's settled in well. But I think what helps is the fact he's came in at a time where, you know, the club won a really good run. They had that sort of stint from the end of December until March where they you know they were picking up results. The morale was good within the squad. They had that good trip away in Saudi Arabia. So I think you know, would we be seeing the Bruno were are if we are still in a relegation battle? Look, probably, but I think it's helped that the pressure sort of off now, and the morale in the camp for the last couple of months has seemed like it's been it's been you know as good as it's been you know the last couple of seasons.
1: Yeah, he had me since that back heel at Everton. Um, but you mentioned Miggy. <clears throat> um, obviously, Fraser came off uh, against Wolves, and Almiron came on. I'm guessing we'll find out more tomorrow about the condition of Ryan Fraser in Eddie Howe's presser. But do you think this is kind of last chance saloon for Miggy now? Because, I mean, to be fair to him, his performance against Wolves was a lot better than um, what it has been of, of late, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, much better from him. Um, you know, I was such just above the dugout when Fraser limped off and Murphy and Arnold were both sent a warm up. Obviously how I went for Armoron um, and I sort of asked how after the game, you know, his sort of thought process behind that. And as always, he couldn't have been more complimentary about Miggy. He really does seem to like him. And I think the thing you get with Miggy is, is you get graft all the time. He doesn't have the end product, we all know that, but he will graft and he'll run. And and I think that's what you need in a team that needs a bit of balance, especially when you've got St. maximum on the other wing. In terms of it being a last chance for him, probably, um, you know, I've I've written for the Chronicle that he he, he could easily quite be, you know, one of the victims in the summer that that goes to make way for better players. And look, it's it's a tricky one with Miggy because we all like him. He's honest. He's the type of player you want, but the numbers don't lie. And when you haven't scored or you know had an assist all season, I think it's over twelve months for club level. Um, you know, there's a time where you look and think, you know, does this honesty just get him so far? And I think with the plans that the owners will have in the summer in terms of new signings, I don't think it would be a surprise from the go. But, look, you know, if Fraser's done his hamstring, then, you know, Miggy does have a chance in, you know, the next sort of three or four games to say, you know, I can perform in this team and he and shouldn't be getting rid of me. So, big chance for him. Um, but I think the game against Wolves, he's much better than we've seen for a long time. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, he, he finds a bit of form watch him the season.
2: It's an opportunity for Miguel Miron now. I, I, I would like to, well, I'm not going to guess what Eddie Howe is going to say tomorrow, but if Ryan Fraser is out, you know, that's the sort of words he would be saying. It's an opportunity for X, Y and Z. Are we just going to be honest with a lot of the players at Newcastle who are just on the fringes or, you know, we don't know whether or not they can make that next level. Are they just simply not good enough to make that step, to make that jump? And that could be to be said to a lot of Newcastle players right now. In your opinion, Aaron, do you think that this summer, not let's not say who's coming in, but do you see a lot of Newcastle players leaving this window? Because it does seem to me that these owners do have big plans. And I think a lot of players, we've been saying they need to get rid of the deadwood for years. Do you think this will be the year to get rid of the deadwood?
0: I think more than likely, yeah. I think, you know, if you look at the money that they spent in January and that was to get out of a relegation fight, I think they'll give it a really good go next season. And that means a lot of players in, in the summer. So it's difficult because you've got players that have been very, very good servants to the club. And, you know, it does feel a little bit harsh to move them on at the first opportunity. But look, this is the name of the game and it comes with the nature of a, ter- of a takeover this big when they've got unlimited money to spend pretty much, and the names are going to be linked with, you look at the team and you probably think there's maybe double figures that you think could easily be moved on. Every player probably knows that they're fighting for their future at the minute. And when you look at players like Dumit, not even getting a game at the minute, Fernandez not getting a game at the minute, you know, yes, is he fit? We don't know, Longstaff and his brother, it, so a lot of players that are thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm sort of running out of time here because you look at likes of Kraft and mankiu they're still getting a go. So you think, well, if they can show something, then they've got a chance. But I think for the likes of dummer and Darlow, it's, it's as bad as I feel for them, it probably will be curtains in the summer. But like I say, it's it's a nature of a takeover this big. It just it comes with the territory and it's unfortunate. But, you know, the Saudis have got big aspirations for this club and they... You know, they don't have room for sentiment, I don't think.
1: No, and that's the thing, isn't it? Because, look, we've all criticised pretty much every player that we're all thinking of when we when we think of kind of Deadwood now. And by the way, the definition of Deadwood, I think, has changed in the past six months, um, especially when it comes to a few players. But, like, your likes of Matt Ritchie, Kieran Clark. I mean, they were all with the club when things were bad, really bad. Um, and could have got a hell of a lot worse. And they've kind of done the job and kept us afloat, kept us in the Premier League for a few seasons. But but you're right in what you say, Aaron. The Saudis aren't here to muck around and sentiment might be out the window. But at the, at the same time, that, that core of players, whilst it is right for them to be moved on in a sense, they still deserve a fair bit of respect, don't they?
0: Yeah, look, I don't think there's any ill feeling towards any of those players, really. You know, like you say... Half of that team that's that was starting pretty much this season was in the Championship. You like so Richies and Clarks and stuff like that. So they did the job then and they've done it in the Premier League. You know, they've kept them up. So I don't think there's any ill feeling. And like you say, you know, they should be respected for what they've done. It's just unfortunate that, you know, the level A is going to step up in the summer and they probably just don't meet it anymore. You know, five years ago, they might have, but like you say, times are time's changing now for the club.
2: One player who played in that championship season, who did very well, I may add, was Jamal LaSells. He's the club captain. Is his future under pressure a little bit because he's not even he's barely getting a game at the minute. And when he did come in against Spurs and everybody had a poor game against Spurs, but he didn't look any better. Do you think that he's now worrying about his future because Dan Byrne looks very good at the minute? Fabian Sher looks very good, of course. There's rumours about Sven Botman, whether he'll go AC Milan or not. I'm sure Newcastle have other targets, i.e. Diego Carlos, for example. But do you think that his future as captain of Newcastle and his his general future of the club will be for too much longer?
0: I think he'll definitely be concerned about it. I think, like you say, he was sort of getting a look in when the takeover first happened. That's not really the case now. You know, Fabian Shaw's probably going to sign a new contract pretty soon. Dan Burns came in and done well in patches and he's loved, you know, by supporters already. And then you throw it in the mix that they'll definitely try and sign, you know, a top-level centre-back this summer, like they tried to in January. You know, like you say, Carlos and Botman are two. They will probably have three or four big names that are below them in case, you know, Severe and Lille are resistant, like they were in January. So, Lascelles is another one where I feel, I feel for Lascelles because he probably just isn't at that level as the rest of them. And I think that's probably been the case for the last couple of seasons. But he's been a good servant in the club for the money. And he has, for the stick that he's got, he does give us all. And I think he's been a good club captain. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if next season we're seeing Trippier with the armband anyway. So, you know, it's, it's one of those where I think it'll be a shame to see him go. But the club will, you know, the club will be looking to sort of bring in top names, especially in defence. Especially after seeing what the likes of Trippier and Target have done. And after pushing so hard for like, you know, a big centre back in January. So it would be no surprise to see him go in the summer, really.
1: It's one of them with with a lot. I'd put, I'd put Sean Longstaff in that in that camp with Lascelles as well, because obviously under Rafa, I think they were immense. Lascelles wasn't far off an England call up. Longstaff obviously had the the link to a fifty million pound move for Man United both picked up a, a few injuries here and there, didn't really kick on under the previous manager, which, you know, not many players did kick on under that previous manager when you're only working part-time hours. Do you do you think Eddie Howe could maybe get them back? I mean, look what he's done with Joe Linton and John Joe. Do you think there is a chance where we, where maybe it might be more beneficial to keep your likes of Sean Longstaff, Jamal Lasells, and help get them back to where they once were?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... Longstaff, although he hasn't been, been given a chance this season, I think we've seen a massive improvement when he has played. There's still aspects of his game he needs to work on, but I think his pressing and what he brings to the midfield is still valuable. And, you know, I think for too long we've let you know sort of local talents go and that hasn't been a secret. So if it was up to me, I think I'd be offering, you know, Sean a new contract. You know, how's been mm. complimentary of him whenever he's um whenever he's spoken about him. So I don't think I'd really put him in the category of, you know, sort of Deadwood or on his way out. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he did go, but I think the feeling is probably to keep him. Matty's a different story because, you know, he had that loan move to Aberdeen, which just didn't work out. He's now, you know, he's in League Two now, or, you know, League One with Mansfield. So, could I see him... Doing him? very
1: well, though, isn't he? Doing right.
0: very yeah. well, but long Matty Longstaff's in the rest of the because... You know, had he not scored that goal against Man United, you know what what would his Newcastle career really have been like? Because I don't think he's the same level as Sean. Personally, I do like Matty Longstaff, to be fair, but it wouldn't be a surprise to see him move on in the summer. So, going back to your point, I think you know how can get you know the best out of these players. We've seen that already this season. So, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't write him off, and and like you say. Look, they can't get rid of everyone. They will have a big summer, but I think they will have to keep. They will have to keep some players. So yeah, look, like La Cells and Longstaff, then, you know, they probably will be kept in the summer.
2: It'll be a fascinating summer. It really, really will, and I think it's going to be. Um, oh, God knows what it's going to be like for yourselves and in the, in the Chronicle. I think every transfer rumor, I think, will just light up. I will have to ask about a couple because I know a couple of people have mentioned a couple of names in the comments. Lucas Pasquez, I'm, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation from Leon. I, I don't believe he's starting tonight against West Ham. I know he did have COVID, so I don't know whether that, he still he still has symptoms or if, if he's generally not, if he's still uh, generally unwell. Is there any truth
0: to that? Do you think that Bruno's team, a former teammate might be a current teammate next season? I mean, well, we all sort of hope that that agent Bruno comes out to play over the summer. But um, look, you know, there's been talk that, I came and watched one of the games. You know, we don't really know how true that is, but he's one that's clearly got a very good connection with Bruno. The only issue is, is, you know, Leon's owner is is famously stubborn when it comes to transfers. And he's even said in the last couple of weeks that it's going to take, you know, I think around 80 million euros for them to part ways, which when you think, you know, is, is probably pennies to the new ownership. But in terms of a summer where they're going to want to be bringing in seven or eight players you know will they get priced out of it like they did with sort of carlos and botman in the summer so great player you know s- similar to the bruno ilk which you know would be good to have two brunos rather than one i think we'd be winning the league next season with two. Brunos. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah that that's one that that's definitely been you know they've, they've definitely been interested in so you know fingers crossed definitely
1: yeah the other one that um was kind of headline on the old BBC gossip page this morning was um, Christian Eriksen, obviously short-term deal at Brentford, which expires at the end of the season. I mean, Christian Eriksen on a free anyone, geez, that, that wouldn't be half bad, would it?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I do know that, you know, the Chronicle did ask about Eriksen in January and were told that they weren't interested. I mean, that was before he, he single-handedly sort of dragged Brentford out the mire. So, I think, you know, obviously he was linked sort of tentatively with the club in January and they weren't interested. Um, that, you know, could be all changed now, given how well he's sort of taken when he's came back the Prem. So I don't think anyone would turn him down, especially not on a on a free transfer after what he's done in the last couple of months.
2: Especially that game against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. on oh, my goodness, yes. what a performance that was by Christian Eriksen. Uh, that's it. We're not going to do any more transfers because we're going to be here. To <laughs> no, I've got one week. more. And it's a a, a
1: very dull one. No, it's a very dull one. It's just about Matt Target. Is that pretty much nailed on that he's going to sign in on a permanent? Because I wasn't really bowled over about signing him. But look, he's done very well. The pressure of uh, Muto's number 13 shirt hasn't got to him. So is that more or less a done deal for the summer?
0: As far as I'm aware, as far as I was aware last week, There'd been no decision made on Matt target. Now I have seen in the last couple of days that, you know, the club are pushing to sign him. The only issue is, is does Gerard want a pre-season with him to see, you know, if he can fit in that Villa team because Luca Deans came in in the in the January window. He's had a couple of issues. I've seen a couple of Villa fans getting on his back for not tracking back. So you know, it it, it may. It made Not it truck him back,
1: he's a left back. What's he
0: doing? Honestly, if it uh, I hadn't I believed at first, and then I went on Twitter the other day and I saw a, a still image of Villa conceding, and Luca was still in his own half, and he was the only Villa player in his in the opposition half. Sorry. So there's been a few questions around him. Um, like I say, as of as of last week, from what I'd heard, there'd been no decision on target, but look he's, he's been fantastic since he's came in and i think you'd be a it would be a wise move to bring him in especially if you can't do for around 10 or 15 million definitely
2: Just send him a picture of the time bridge he loves it anyway so there you go That'll do. Yeah, it. He loves Shaw,
1: doesn't he yeah
2: i love why i geordie sure why i go. that'll be the tagline for him won't it uh yeah moving on from transfers i don't know i would probably be here till the end of august talking about transfers um, i want to talk yes exactly could we be getting him in on loan (laughs) who knows um (laughs) i want to talk about the manager i want to talk about anyhow because a lot of people look at it and go well he's had 95 million pounds roughly to spend to get newcastle out out of trouble but he has got newcastle out of trouble regardless of what you think in terms of the finance he's got to try and gel whatever plays he's been given Newcastle looked very, very difficult to beat at home, in particular. I know we had that three games so away from home, where particularly Tottenham it was a bit of a disaster. Chelsea and Everton, you can reflect on that how you wish, but defensively we're a lot more solid. We've got a bit more advent, a bit more ideas, and a bit more creativity going forward now. And Chris Wood as well. A lot of people are saying not really the best striker now. I know he's only scored two goals, but he seems to be getting a little bit more out of him as well in recent weeks was Eddie Howe not the, the best name in terms of all the names that were linked on when am? I know he's got around for the UEFA Champions League semi-final but was it the right appointment right now for any Newcastle needed to be and where they want to be moving forward
0: yeah I think so I mean again I don't really want to look too far ahead but you know would anybody be surprised if Howe isn't here in the next couple of years probably not but I think for what they needed in January or sorry what they needed in November He was definitely the right man. Did wonders at Bournemouth. You know, there was was questions about how he spent his money or how Bournemouth spent their money. But I thought the January editions were, you know, very, very, you know, a world away from the sort of money that he spent at Bournemouth. So, like you say, he's came in. They look a lot more defensively solid. I think aside from Tottenham and Leicester, the two sort of, you know, really big defeats, they've looked a lot more... A lot more sturdy and that run over over the sort of three or four months after Christmas was you know what really dragged them out of trouble so I don't think you can fault the job he's done I think it's good that how do I put this I think it's good that he's got a good relationship with the fans you know there's no negativity and you know I think compared to what we had in the previous regime that's a that's a plus that he's not boring because he's not boring, but there's just no there's no frills about him, and mm. I think as a journalist, I think we get a little bit not annoyed, but we sort of want more from him. But he doesn't give it because he doesn't need it, and he's very he seems like a very uncomplicated man. Um, is, is the best way to describe him. But I think on the pitch, yeah, like you say, he's he's got the best out of some key players. I think if you look at Fabian Shaw's sort of resurgence. There's one that I would point to. So, yeah, look, I really like Howen, and, and I think the club are in good hands with, with, with him in charge.
1: Do you think, and I don't expect any, any journalist to get this out of him whatsoever, but I always think back to the comments Steve Bruce did make about the guy who got Bournemouth relegated. Do you think that would have just given Eddie Howe that extra 1% or 2% perhaps maybe in taking this job? Because I think for me, he already had a point to prove because this was his first job since Bournemouth and this was now an opportunity for him to kind of realise his potential if he's going to be one of the bright sparks of English management over the next 10 years or whatever. Do you think them little Steve Bruce digs did anything to just gee him up just a tiny bit perhaps?
0: Do you know what it is? Having met him, I, I really don't think they did. I, I I don't think he sort of concerns himself with any of that sort of talk. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I feel like other managers would have been like, you know, that's the that's my ammunition to go and do a good job. But I generally, you know, it was a good interview with how uh, a week or two ago where he said that he would have taken the club job even with Ashley in charge. I think it's just the type of man he is. I don't think the takeover really had any say in that. So... Yeah, look, like, as, as as far as I can see and from what I've you know, seen of him so far, he seems like a, a very, very decent man. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether that would have been playing on his mind. But you know what it is? I'd completely forgotten that comment was made until someone brought it up the other day when having a go at Bruce. So, yeah, it's interesting how things change, isn't
1: it? Yeah, from the guy who can't get West Brom promoted.
0: <laughs> I think we should move on
2: ever so quickly because I think we are going back into dangerous territory which I don't think we need to talk about because let's not talk about the past let's talk about the present and the future surely surely <laughs> all the best West Brom <laughs> all the best <laughs> boing boing right anyway let's move on um yeah anyhow honestly, we, he's pretty much got Newcastle United safe I think some fans will say they want one more win but I think that's probably one percent of Newcastle fans that will probably think that you look at the next game it's Leicester on Sunday Apologies for our podcast listeners, but we have to touch on this because I know you already know that Newcastle have just beaten Leicester. Fingers Yay. crossed. And um, Leicester have just won against PSV in the Europa Conference League, which I know you're a big, massive fan of, Aaron. They're in the semi-finals of that fantastic competition. And um, it's a good time to play Leicester because again, they've just played away from home, different country. Newcastle are on a high, having lost, in 2022 in the Premier League at St. James's. It's, it's a good chance to pick a war point.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's a good time to play them. Leicester's record, funny enough, is actually quite good once they've played in Europe, but, you know, they went quite with quite a strong team tonight in, in Holland and, you know, they had quite a tough game turning it round. So good time to play them, you know, like you say, the home record at the minute is, you know, they're flying at St. James's, which I feel sort of gone under the radar a bit because there were so many away games in a row. We sort of forgotten that actually they haven't they haven't lost at home. So I think if St James's Park and you know you know get that atmosphere on Sunday, then then yeah, it's a great time to play them. Especially given that you know their their league form this season hasn't been as good. You know we used to see them sort of battling for the top six, and you know that isn't the case this season. So yeah, look, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get a, I get another win on Sunday.
1: I'm there on Sunday, so would, that would be nice. Um, <laughs> my, my record at home games this season hasn't been brilliant. But I was there for Burton away in pre-season. Come on. Um, but I, th- I think it will be quite interesting, though, because I'm not expecting Brendan Rodgers to make any big deal about playing in Europe on the Thursday and, and playing Newcastle on a Sunday afternoon, sort of early-ish doors. Jürgen Klopp today already whinging about... Oh, we've got the Champions League then. Newcastle games at half twelve on BT. Why? 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 Please tell me why he's, he's wind. I just don't understand it. It's been oh, like this I for years. I
0: think, I think that's probably the easiest answer that I'll give all night. And the fact that he's just a windger. I think it's just Jurgen Klopp's nature. We were we were actually talking about the day in the office that he doesn't want to see advantage given to teams, you know, like City or Newcastle because they're playing so close but surely moving the game has given Liverpool an advantage so look I, I, I don't think the game will be moved it shouldn't be moved and I mean look he's been in England and Europe long enough now to know that the games are Thursday Sunday then Wednesday sometimes it's just the just the way of the Premier League and yeah I, I don't really see what what his point is really and what he thinks he's going to get out of it. If
1: he'd have made a point about us about our game be, uh, at Southampton being moved to Thursday night, if he'd have come out and defended us then, then I might feel a bit of sympathy. But no, no,
0: no, can't be dealing with it. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, when he comes and moans that Newcastle like are going down to London when no trains back, when then we can start listening to what he's saying. But until then, it's yeah, it's just waffle, I think.
2: I think the big thing as well with television companies, especially, the, let, let's be honest, if you're, if you're a Manchester United local, the reason why this is a 12.30 kickoff is because of the Asian market. The Asian market brings in millions and millions and millions of people, and they want to watch the likes of your Man United and Liverpool. I'll put Arsenal, Chelsea in that category. And BT aren't stupid. They know Newcastle Liverpool is going to get a particular amount of views, of views as well. So uh, the only thing I was thinking, and this is the only thing I would say, is that, could they move it to the Saturday night now after the 5.30 T time game? I think that's on Sky. I think that's actually Man City. I think Man City are actually uh, involved in that game. Um, I forget who they're playing, but could they do potentially do that? But again, that's less hours for their next game because they're going to be playing a Champions League semi final second leg. So it's either have more rest going to a Premier League game and less rest for a Champions League game or more rest going to a Premier League and then less rest for a Champions League.
0: No, no. It sort of feels like he's shooting himself in the foot by even requesting it. But like you say, I don't think it, it's not the first time. I don't think it'll be the last time that he that he tries to sort of. I mean, look, he's had previous with BT, Obviously, when he when he had that go at Des Kelly, so yeah, maybe he's, maybe he's just got a bit of an agenda against the uh, against the TV stations. A whole really.
1: Des is already gearing himself up for that post-match interview. But as quite uh, uh, as Tom quite rightly says in the comments, the women's team are playing at St James's Park on the Sunday. Um, is anyone from the Chronicle going to be there to uh, to watch the culmination of? I mean, okay, it's looking unlikely that the women will go up this season, but they've still got every chance, and it's still been a fantastic season for them. Are the the Chronicle going there to to watch the game? Are there any plans to to maybe give the women's team more coverage in the Chronicle in the future?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think definitely going forward there'll, there'll be more coverage. I think. You know, one of Stavely's big promises when she came in was that, you know, she was going to try and boost the, you know, the sort of the women's team. And if the Chronicle can't do that, then 100 percent. And I think it's an amazing thing that they're playing at St James's Park and it'll draw a big, big crowd. So, yeah, 100 percent. I think the Chronicle will definitely, definitely have, a you know, someone there and a lot of coverage around the game, definitely.
2: Just a little uh, note to everything to do with Newcastle United women's team. Just um, some very sad news over the last uh, day or so. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. and everybody on behalf of uh, Newcastle fans, TV, group on the show. And even Aaron, I know Aaron's done an article on this um, the passing of former goalkeeper Dominika Podzuti. I don't know if I pronounced the uh, surname correctly, but of course, played for Newcastle Sunderland Ladies as well. And, and it's very, very sad news. And I know the Quiller put out a few tweets as well. So our thoughts are with. Uh, Dominica's family at this very very sad time. But just that last the last thing onto the women's team they're so close on for promotion as well and Becky, we've spoken to Becky as well that she's got big big plans you know the owners have big big plans as well so it's just nice that everything is kind of heading towards the right direction from the women's side of things as well. I think I think myself Sam I think they've come the women's team a lot more than what me and Sam's done over the years We'd love to see a WSL side as well. So that would be something we'd love to see in the future. I'm sure you'd echo that as well, Aaron.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And and like I say, when Stavely came in and 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 said that that was one of our aims to sort of give more time to the women's team. I think I was a bit surprised because I don't know why I was surprised, but I think it, it when you think about it, it's such an easy win. But it's good to see that they've actually, you know, stuck by that and you know, they've been going to games, they've been going to trading sessions and you know, they've been very public in their support. So, and I think if you look at the women's game in general now, I mean, the WSL is huge. You know, the money being pumped in it with the likes of City and Chelsea and Arsenal, you know. So, I think if in a couple of years Newcastle can get there, then, I mean, what an amazing achievement. And it'll be brilliant for the football club.
1: Yeah, I think this will just be the start as well. Not just not just women's football, women's sport in general. If you look, look Savannah Marshall maybe in a... Um, and a mega fight at St. James's Park in the summer, too. Oh, yes, please. But um, yeah, what's uh, other, I mean, it doesn't often make you think with these quick wins that really cost barely any money, do, do just so simple, it just makes you appreciate just how bad the previous 14 years under Mike Ashley was and just how much of an arrogant so and so he was.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, as I, as I said at the at the head of the show, trying to explain why it made it meant so much for Shearer's to be renamed Shearer's, it, like other football fans just don't get it because it's stuff that their owners would have never done in the first place. Do you know what I mean? They would have never changed the name out of spite, you know. They would have never had a statue off Stadium Land in the first place, so. As I, as I keep calling them, they're just little wins that, like you say, they take no money, they take no effort, but they go such a long way with fans. Um, and, and like I say, I don't think, you know, I think if even if somebody else had came in and bought the club rather than, you know, PFI, I think they would have been done anyway, but it's good that to see that the owners are making these promises and so far they've been sticking to them. So it's all good.
2: Yeah, well may it continue for, for sure. Um, uh, one thing that I have to mention, because Sam, I think we smirked a little bit when we were talking about Deadwood before, and I don't actually know the result of this, but I know I was leading this poll uh, on, our, on our Green with the Morning show Twitter page, was about crap and Mankia. Oh, now, no, we've I been saw,
1: arguing about this for over no, 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 two no, no, years. no no, just I'm, accept I'm not that you're wrong?
2: Anything. I'm not arguing about anything okay i don't get i'm i'm quite calm you just you just bit quite easily there but i was on 56 percent, so you're 44 percent. so so
0: so hang on so what's what's your view compared to sam's
2: so basically we, until lord kieran trippier came in and decided i'm going to be the right back for newcastle Network, which we were all very very grateful of me and sam had a debate who's the better better second choice or backup essentially but let's be honest before tribute is isn't who is the best out of, the, of a bad bunch and i've said in
1: a back four
2: no no just general don't you no. don't give, don't give it all this No, come on don't oh, change the don't change okay. the rules now samuel come on it was just <laughs> who is the better the, be, the best right back right wing back whatever you want to call it Emil craft or javier manquillo now i'm not javier manquillo's biggest fan never have been i've been Emil Kraft's biggest fan i just don't i don't see what people seeing it and javier manquillo because attacking wise until Little glimpses this season, he's done not a lot, but he's better than Emil Kraft. But yeah. Sam believes Emil Kraft's a little bit better now.
1: He megged Bruno Aaron, for an elder.
2: He did, but I, all I will say is, is before Eddie Howe came in, how many good games did Emil Kraft have for Newcastle? Now, he's, I have to admit, he's improved a lot since Eddie Howe's coming, but is he? Is he good enough and is he better than Javier Mankyo?
0: Aaron, tell us who's right, who's wrong. What, what do you think? I feel like I'm having to, you know, I don't wanna don't want to offend both of you. <laughs> I, think, I,
1: I I think I think the argument doesn't mean as much as it did maybe last until last season, because it's irrelevant though. Because Trippi is just so much better saying. than everyone. <laughs> but for me, in a back four, Kraft is better than Mankyo.
0: I think, and I'm trying not to sit on the fence here because I want to give yourselves and your your viewers a a proper answer. Mankiw has been the better player over the last 18 months, I think. Before Howe and at the start of Howe's reign. The thing you get with Kraft is he can play centre-back, whereas Mankiw can't. And he has been much improved, and I thought he was absolutely fantastic against Wolves. Even, and he's yeah. really stepped up since since um, Trippier's injury. But I think on the on the, on the balance, I think I'd go Mankiwo. Oh, but, but like you say... That's exactly like it's, why
1: you shouldn't give people the vote. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like Although, you say, no, it, 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 I, I, don't I,
1: think,
0: I don't think it matters.
1: Because no, it doesn't.
0: Like said, <laughs> it does. It matters massively one, now. No, <laughs> it doesn't number matter. one and the rest are just... In the, in, the, <laughs> in the correct,
1: back. but what I will say is Mankio at left back. I think I, I like Mankio coming on at left back, I think won us the game against Leeds. Oh. That's what I will say in compliment to Mankio. But in a back four, crafts
2: a better right back. <clears throat> you know, is Aaron? you're my favorite ever guest on the green of the ball the show. I, I hope
0: you're <laughs> <laughs> not Sam because if, if if that's not the case then I probably won't get invited back. But um, yeah.
2: no,
1: no so, so long as I keep getting asked back by Musgrove on everything is black and white you're fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, brilliant. And look, i talk about watch this uh, as well. Yeah definitely definitely it's a big shout out to Andrew Musgrove he's been on before he's good good volume. Um What's it like with with the chronicle lads and how difficult is it to separate yourself from the fan and the job as being a journalist is it, is it difficult and how do you how do all the other journalists in particular deal with that do you think
0: i think for me personally um again i really want to come back on the show so don't don't judge me on this but i actually went to union sunderland so I had three years of going into Sunderland and covering Sunderland Football Club as a Newcastle fan. So I think from an early, sort of early in my journalism career, I got that sort of taken out of me because I was at the stadium like covering games and there was no sort of room for, you know, who you support. It was just you go there be sort of unbiased and get the job done. So obviously going down to London and being able to cover Newcastle again, it was good, but I sort of had that fan element stripped away because I wasn't in the city and stuff like that. So I personally find it okay. Um, it's a dream to be covering Newcastle again, but I don't think I would sort of, you know, base my journalism on on who my favourite player is and stuff like that, unless it's Bruno when, you know, he gets, he gets as much praise as he wants. But um, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, and I think the Chronicle lads are the same, you know, um, there's a lot of passionate supporters on that team, which obviously helped with the job and, Helps us deliver the best coverage that we can, um, but you know they're all very professional and and that's been the way for years. So yeah, I, I can't fault any of them.
1: Love it. Um, I want your opinion on one more thing for me, um, and that's about St James's Park, uh, the stadium in general. Um, tickets now, since the takeover, are just gold dust. Um, there's going to be the 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 debate's going to rumble on and on and on about do we extend Saint James's Park? Can we even extend Saint James's Park to a bigger capacity or new owners, new stadium? What what's your take? What's your view?
0: I don't think there should be a new stadium, I, and I think if you put that to a vote, I don't think any fans would want Saint James's Park moved. Um, I can easily in the next ten years, if they can do it, see it being extended to maybe you know sort of sixty thousand. Um, to meet the demand that will come with obviously the club rising up the the table but I think before we even start talking about that or thinking about it it needs to be better tellies and a good clean in the concourse properly stocked bars just like I said little easy wins that because I mean still to this day I mean last time I went to St James's as a fan was probably December or January so the takeover had happened the stadium was still, you know, it's 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 not a good experience going as a fan and having to sort of, and then sort of spend your time on those concourses. But yeah, um, I could easily see getting extended, but any plans to move, it, I think, should be shelved. And I think the owners, if they do have as much sense as we think they do, then they'll leave any plans like that, you know, firmly behind them.
2: Agreed. Another thing I want, another thing I'd like to add to that is maybe a new ticketing system online because it's it's no short of a shambles if I'm being honest uh, a couple of times since the takeover i was speaking to a few people outside when they were trying to get tickets for liverpool last week and then the ticketing system just crashed like it need, they need a new ticketing system it just it, it just has to be done this is a, a 20, it's 2022 it's a it's a, it's just something that needs to be done But I have to wait and see 2, two
1: years ago we were giving away 10,000 to free season tickets
2: <laughs> It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. My final question to you, Aaron, is this. In five years' time, when me and you and Sam talk again in another interview, what will Newcastle United look
0: like? I think it'll look like a club that's challenging. You know, I'm hesitant to say that, you know, they'll have won the league and they'll have won this and that, but purely because I think football's changed so much from when Chelsea came in and did it and when City came in and did it football's moved on now you don't have a top four or top six it's a top eight or nine every season really when you add the likes of Leicester and Wolves and stuff into it so five years time I think you know they'll have had a few different cup runs they'll be competing you know for the sort of top six spots I think I don't think there's any doubt about that um but I just I, I don't think I'll buy this. You know, next season we're going to be in the top six, and the season after that we're going to be challenging. I just think, as much as the squad has improved so much in such a short space of time, clubs at the top end are getting you know bigger and bigger themselves. So I I, I don't want to sort of put a damper on it, but I think they'll be they'll be competing, maybe just not at the at the very very top yet.
1: I'll tell that that. I take that. I'd just, to be honest, I just take it's going to be the first season. Obviously, it looks like we're going to stay up. Let's face it, but this summer is going to be the first summer in a while. Thinking, oh, I hope we don't go down, or oh, I hope to God we go back, we go back up to get back in the prep. It's, it's going to be one that I don't think we have to worry about. We can just kind of look at top half, perhaps.
0: It makes such a change, doesn't it? Going into a season and not worrying about finishing the bottom three, but and look and I think that that's another thing in five years time you know it'll be a club that we're actually you know passionate and positive about and if the owners continue doing what they're doing then yeah look it it'll be a fantastic journey to wherever they are in five years time.
2: Well, well let's just enjoy the ride enjoy the journey but I tell you what I have enjoyed Aaron is the interview that we've just done with yourself there. it's been absolutely brilliant talking all things Newcastle mate this is for you know all the Newcastle United fanatics out there. If you want to listen to a really good podcast, listen to this, and of course, listen to everything as black and white podcast, which Sam has been on as well. know you have as well, Aaron with Andrews. Twice, he,
1: I've again. been on
2: twice, I know. Fantastic. So big you never
1: get asked on though, do you, Johnny? Anyway, must be your views about Mankeo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good
2: time, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good time that the show is ending very, very soon. We can talk after Sam. Um, but, Aaron, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you on the Green & Rolling Show. I've really, really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it, too.
0: Yeah, definitely, lads. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you in a couple of months when we've uh, signed another Bruno. I <laughs>
2: hope so. I hope so. Sam, some big guests on the horizon, hopefully, maybe. Can we say yes. much more? <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Um, yeah, uh, we've got two more shows coming up in the next seven days. One in person with a former player and one via the power of the internet with an ex-player as well, touch, touch wood. That's not a clue either, it's not Chris Wood. But um, yeah, yeah, should be good. Looking forward to him.
2: Fantastic. From myself, Jonathan Greenwood, Sam Mona, I'm the Newcastle United editor at The Evening Chronicle, Aaron Stokes. We'll see you all very soon.
0: Newcastle Fans TV.